Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and we're going to dive even deeper, pun intended, on some of the Apple Watch Ultra features, satellite communication with the iPhone 14, and a ton more from the event. Getting details you didn't hear before. I've gone through all the footnotes on Apple's website, so you don't have to. This episode is brought to you by Backbone, Collide, and Magic Lasso. And joining me to talk about all the things from the Apple event, my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Great, Stephen. I'm excited to spend all of my money this week. <laughs> so that is my first question to you, Wes. As of right, as we record, it is Thursday, so we can't have pre-ordered the iPhone yet, but I'm assuming you will. What Apple Watches and AirPods and iPhones have you pre-ordered? I already ordered the uh, Apple Watch Series 8, 45 millimeter, stainless steel, graphite. Uh, okay. Yep, so okay. that, that should be cool. I'm moving up from aluminum, so that'll be a nice little upgrade. I like the stainless steel and how it looks. Sure, sure. I'm going to be ordering the iPhone 14 Pro Max in space black, because that's exciting to have oh, okay. a darker shade. I've seen photos of it. It is a nice color. Um, that's cool, and I will definitely be getting the AirPods Pro 2. So. All right, very good. Yeah, I'm getting AirPods Pro 2 also. I did not go with Series 8, because aside from the temperature sensor, which we'll get to and all that, you know, it's pretty similar to Series 7, we'll just say. So I went with the Ultra, and so I'm going to be trying it. It's an aspirational adventure watch. I cannot tell you the amount of people who tweeted at me saying, well, at least it won't uh, get damaged when you ding it on doorways and doorknobs. <laughs> so thank you all for listening and knowing that I hit my watch on doorways. So yeah, I went with the Ultra, and I'm going with the iPhone 14 Pro, not Max. And I went with the uh, Silver. I, I typically have been trying to go with whatever the new color is. But aside from gold, it's it's deep purple this year is the other iPhone 14 Pro color. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm just not a purple kind of kind of person. But if they have some green mid-cycle edition again, that's, um, release them all at once, Apple. That's all I'm saying, because I would have gotten a green one last year. Apple Watch Ultra, and we'll get into it in a minute. It just, if it had come in a uh, different color, at least graphite, mm. I probably would have got it. But I do not want international orange and a bright silver titanium watch. Like, just neither of those yeah. appeal to me at all. No, I, I get it. I mean, I, I have the Titanium Series 7, so I like the Titanium, but the orange is very bold. It reminds me of the days where the crown was like a solid red if you got a cellular version of an Apple Watch. So it would have been nice if that came in different colors, but I get it, international red and all that. But This is purely an aesthetic decision. I would have absolutely bought the very unnecessary watch. <laughs> yes, very unnecessary. I'm going to test the diving capabilities in my pool. <laughs> we'll see how shallow it actually reads the depth. Right. We can get into why I actually bought a series eight instead of just keeping my series seven also because there is a reason yeah okay we'll get to that okay we got lots of, lots of things to get to lots of details not covered we're going to try and do things different from the recap i had a recap episode went up shortly after the event ended and you can get kind of the big highlights from everything announced then we're going to get to try some of the details here in this show real quick some five-star review shout outs Tice from the USA. He was actually the username. Can you be my mom? He said he can't change it. So Tice, another shout out. Sam Goody from Brooklyn, New York. I next fear from USA and Habs 15 from Canada. Thank you for those five-star reviews. And before we even get to the devices, I just want to kind of talk about the event at a high level because it was pre-recorded event, but there were also lots of press, YouTube creators and journalists there at the Steve Jobs Theater. Tim Cook actually opened the video in person. So he came out on stage, spoke to those who were in person, and then they rolled the pre-recorded event. So it was basically watching the video event. It seems like for the foreseeable future, that's going to be the new norm where Apple does a highly 
pre-produced video that is shown both in-person to attendees and via the live stream. But those in-person attendees then get to do hands-on with all the devices afterwards. So we get lots of videos, photos, and hands-on imagery of the actual devices from journalists. So that was cool. There was two severance cameos where Heli appeared next to a subway car. And then again, at the, at the end of the thing, and there were a couple like news outlets. They were like, a mysterious woman shows up at the end of Apple's <laughs> clip. I'm not sure if they knew it was severance or not, but that was pretty funny. That was a good cameo. Andrew sent me one of the articles when we were just laughing. It was uh, the independent Apple event ends with mysterious footage of woman disappearing. Right. And it's just, guys, I mean, I get it, but they have Apple TV Plus now. I want to see more of these. I remember at WWDC, the soccer team from Ted Lasso is playing in the background of one of the feature sets. So there's going to be these kinds of cameos. I don't think this severance thing signifies anything, but it was cool to see it. It was cool to see. Also, Apple's production, just video production, high quality value is incredible in all of these videos. With crash detection being a feature across many devices now, you know, I thought to myself, you know, Apple had to like get a car and get a test track, film this thing and literally crash a car. Like it's kind of wild to think that Apple did like a crash dummy car test and filmed it as part of their advertising and assuming they've said there's been like over 1 million hours tested for crash detection. So Apple must have done a bunch of car crashes. So it's kind of wild. Yeah, they own a racetrack in California near their Cupertino campus. So Apple, everyone always thought it was about Project Titan. But honestly, this makes sense, too. I mean, obviously, they could be doing both. But at this point, really, this this seems more likely than a a full car. But I won't tell William that. (laughs) Just before we get into devices, I did want to talk about stagecraft. uh, What was your favorite moment? I think the best one for me was the stagecraft for the AirPods Pro where she walks out and it reveals that the entire thing is just a stage. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Apple just showing off. They do that like during the HomePod and, and HomeKit type settings. Yes, that was a great moment. I, I kind of loved the subway thing. There were so many Easter eggs. There was, you know, like Milky Way as a stop in the subway car. There was a guy wearing AirPods Max sitting on the seat and they were kind of Easter eggs. Even when she walked out, uh, they were still doing their stagecraft, walking around and taking seats and stuff. I thought that was funny. Beyond that, you know, putting various Apple executives on mountaintops was pretty fun, too. Yeah, I mean, yes, all of that is is very cool. So they're just really flexing. They're doing incredible videos for all this kind of stuff. So it was a lot of fun to watch. Again, very fast paced when you're trying to tweet about it and take notes and take screenshots for doing stuff after the fact. It is wild. Someone mentioned on Twitter, like there should be an intermission for this thing, which I would love. I would love if it was just like five minute break in the middle, like curtain drops and play some of that cool music that they were playing before the event even started. But, and the, the music was really cool. Even just the pre-event music and some of the ads, I was like, man, I kind of want to watch this in uh, like oh, my home theater setting because uh, it was it was very cool. A couple things also we should say goodbye to before we say hello to new devices. The Apple Watch Series 3 is finally retired. It is no more. And it was that last Apple Watch with that, you know, postage stamp screen style, the very rectangular one. I know many developers are happy that that is not something they have to design for anymore, which is good. And also the mini size is gone. We have the iPhone 14 and 14 plus, but the mini is no more. We only knew ye two years. That was it. You can still order the iPhone 13 mini um, as one of the remaining models on the website. Yeah, Uh, you can buy an iPhone 12 for some unknown reason. An iPhone 13 and an iPhone 13 mini. Um, Those are the old iPhones that still remain. So that's kind of cool that those stuck around. So if you really want a mini, for some reason yours explodes, uh, you still have an option at least for now. 
All right, well, let's get to the event. We'll go through in order. Again, I'm not going to rehash everything that we covered in the recap episode, but Apple Watch Series 8, brand new features, the temperature sensor, really focused on cycle tracking and ovulation. So the new temperature sensor is in the Series 8 and Apple Watch Ultra. I know there was some confusion. Does the Ultra have the same health sensors? Series 8 and Ultra all have the same health sensors, including the blood oxygen, all the heart rate sensors, and the temperature sensor. It's the Apple Watch SE generation two, the new one that does not have the temperature sensor. So just want to be clear about that. And there's lots of features coming with watchOS 9, like some of the faces that even the Nike faces that used to be just reserved for Nike watches. Some of those will be coming to other Apple watches with the watchOS 9. I really enjoyed this part of the presentation. Um, I, I found it interesting, very necessary that they spend some time on something that was a uh, woman centric. That, that was really cool. I just hope that we get to see again, like even though this temperature sensor I saw a few comments of, well, what about me? I'm, I, you know, I don't ovulate. Well, uh, there's still a lot of good health metrics that can come from temp body temperature sensing. And Apple did bring them up during the keynote. They just didn't go into detail. Like the sleep measurements and stuff will be important and uh, useful. I, I, I want to see how they implement that in other apps and other health metrics. For sure. So you pre-ordered the new Apple Watch Series 8 in the stainless steel. And for someone that is not using the ovulation and temperature tracking features, it would seem like this is very similar to the Series 7 screen size and all that. So why did you update? Well, like I said, the temperature sensing is interesting. And the Siri, the uh, SIP, the S8 SIP, the system and package processor is uh, 20% faster, as Apple said. I mean, um, someone confirmed that it's using the same core processor as the last like three generations of watch. So that didn't change, but they've obviously updated other parts of the package other than the core processor. There's a lot of things in here. And again, they didn't get into detail in the keynote, but one of the things that they talked about was stride calculations and a lot of other calculations are happening four times faster than before. And I think that has to do with the processor. I may have misheard that misread that and maybe the series seven is capable of doing uh, these same types of calculations like in the video it knew how long the ground contact time right. how long his feet were touching the ground during his run and stride length and stuff the crash detection is a new feature right. exclusive to this watch even though uh because they have to have different types of like more accurate sensors for what was it the 256 g uh shock of going into a crash like that has to be detectable and that's only if you have the hardware so there's more to it than the temperature sensor so that was enough to make me curious to want this watch to see again once we you know tear it down and see what it is i don't want to have to wait six months you know if they sell out and i have to try and order one so i went ahead and got one and to kind of sweeten the deal i went ahead and got the stainless steel like i said so i'd have a cellular watch versus my aluminum so it's enough of an upgrade for other reasons beyond oh yeah it's just the same external design i don't mind that Right, so the new crash detection is a result of two new sensors. Apple is saying there's a three-axis gyroscope built into Apple Watch Series 8, Apple Watch Ultra. That is also in the SE as well, plus the iPhone 14 lineup. And the high G-force accelerometer, which can measure when there's you know rapid changes in G-force. And actually on the Apple website, again, I perused like every product page because I wanted to know like all of this. So Apple's website says the high G-force accelerometer senses extreme accelerations or decelerations up to 256 Gs. Those are sudden speed shifts. And that's what helps with crash detection and also cabin pressure changes. So the barometer detects pressure changes caused by deploying airbags. 
So that's just some of the car crash detection that goes into both the new Apple Watches and iPhone 14s. Maybe none of this translates to something a user is going to notice. But like I said, I just I feel like that these multiple sensor updates they may be more quiet but i think it'll add up to more in the future even if it doesn't come to fruition it's fine i i just think it would be interesting to see if a developer figures out a way to detect a new thing or a new medical study is done uh, one of apple's research studies because of these new sensors so i just wanted to have the ability to at least um, participate if something like that comes along that takes advantage also in just in relation to car crash detection since we're on it there are two other things that they use for it there's actually a bunch of things they use but abrupt changes in direction it says a high dynamic range gyroscope monitors drastic changes in the car's orientation and loud sound levels of impact. So while you're driving, if there's a crash, the microphone identifies extreme sound levels of a collision. And it says for privacy, all processing is done on your Apple Watch or iPhone. So the car crash detection is kind of all of that put together. Those two new sensors plus barometer, which has been in the Apple Watch and even sound levels. So interesting, the amount of things going into that car crash detection. So I totally get it. Yeah, Series 8 is an update. You know, it is not the exact same watch. Yeah, that'd be great to hear your experience with it. Also, Apple Watch SE, if you had an Apple Watch SE Generation 1, you do get a new chip. There is an S8 SIP, they're calling it. It's a little different than what's in the Series 8 and Apple Watch Ultra, but it is an updated chip. Plus, you have that car crash detection. So nice to have just a little update there, especially for family setup. I know I got an Apple Watch SE, the first generation for my oldest son. It's been a couple of years now, but family setup worked great. And now that he has an iPhone 13, he switched that SE to pair with the iPhone directly. And it does open up some more features and options and like the ability to download apps to it and things like that that was not available in family setup. So SE is a great option, especially for kids. I believe the uh, S8 SIP is the same across the board. The The biggest difference between the SE and the other models, obviously, is the sensors. It has, it has the same sensors as the original SE. That didn't get changed or updated at all. It's literally a heart rate sensor. You can't even do an ECG, right? So it's, it's just like the heart rate and like gyroscopes and stuff, like the very basic um, Apple Watch Series 4 sensors. Right, exactly. This episode of Apple Insider is brought to you by Magic Lasso Adblock. Do you want to experience twice as fast load times in Safari on your iPhone, iPad, or your Mac? Then download the Magic Lasso Adblock app. It's an ad blocker designed just for you. Super easy to set up, blocks all YouTube ads, and doubles the speed at which Safari loads. Magic Lasso is an efficient, high-performance, and free ad blocker. It's, it's got over 4,000 five-star reviews, and it's simply the best Safari ad blocker. I'll be honest, I've been using Magic Lasso for a number of years before they ever sponsored the show, and I love Magic Lasso on all of my devices. It blocks all intrusive ads, trackers, and annoyances, letting you experience a faster, cleaner, and more secure web browsing experience. And unlike other ad blockers, Magic Lasso respects your privacy and it doesn't accept payment from advertisers. That's a big deal. Online privacy isn't just something you should be hoping for. So stop being followed by ads around the web by blocking all those ad trackers and ensuring your browsing history is not harvested by ad networks. And it now blocks over 10 types of YouTube ads, including video ads, banner ads, search ads, and suggested product ads. So join over 200,000 users and download Magic Lasso Adblock for free from the App Store. And as a special offer for Apple Insider listeners, go to magiclasso.co slash appleinsider to receive one month free access to all of Magic Lasso's pro features. That's www.magiclasso.co slash Apple Insider to receive one month free pro access. You can click that link in the episode description. Our thanks to Magic Lasso Adblock for their support of Apple Insider. All right, let's get to the Apple Watch Ultra because this was 
kind of one of the main parts of the event. This is really a brand new design for the Apple Watch, really geared towards a new audience, that extreme athlete. Again, we talked a lot about, about it in the recap episode. Thank you all for ragging me about the doorways and doorknobs. I'm using that as my excuse to have gotten the Apple Watch Ultra to make sure it is safe from all the doorways in my house. But one big thing that I don't think I mentioned in the recap or I might have misspoke, but the band compatibility. If you have 45 millimeter bands, so my entire solo loop and braided loop collection that it works on my 45 millimeter Series 7, those are compatible with Apple Watch Ultra. If you go to a solo loop product page on Apple's website and you scroll down to compatibility, you'll see all the different sizes that the band supports. And you'll see because the 45 millimeter also fits the Series 6 44 millimeter. Remember that changed one millimeter year over year. And you'll also see 49 millimeter listed under compatibility. And the Apple Watch Ultra is that 49 millimeter. So if you have bands from your Series 7 or earlier, for the larger size, 45 millimeter, 44, all that, then it will work with the Apple Watch Ultra. So I was very glad to hear that. I did get the Ocean Band with the Apple Watch Ultra in white. Of the three, I do swim. You know, <laughs> I don't do extreme sports, but I do swim in a pool. And so I figured, let me try the Ocean Band. And it looked pretty cool. It's made of the same floor elastomer as the Sport and Solo Loop. So should be pretty comfortable. All the first impressions of YouTubers, if you go on YouTube or on Twitter, like I Justine, The Verge was at the events. There's lots of hands-on with the Apple Watch Ultra and the bands look really nice. A lot of them are saying, even though it is big, you know, the Apple Watch Ultra is going to be a much bigger device than the Series 7 or even Series 8, that it is very light. The titanium is a light material. So even though it's very durable, it is lighter, but it is like chunky. I mean, you got like a protrusion for the crown and the side button, plus you have that additional action button on the left side. So it is a, it's big. It's a big watch. It's definitely interesting. I like the obvious like design choices that say it's still an Apple Watch. Like you can look at it and see that it's still Apple's thing. Uh, I like the new watch face. It's just a very dense, a lot of information. Um, that was interesting. And I like how you can turn off the blue light emitting colors uh, by rotating the crown. Like a lot of little uh, features like that. Just It sounds like they had a lot of consultation from users who are actually going to uh, take advantage of this watch. And I feel like colors are in the future. It just throws me off at being this bright titanium. Now, maybe if I was still in the military, it would be more interesting. I would buy it. I remember a lot of people would wear the international orange colored parachute rope and make it into a band, uh, like an armband and wear it because mm. you can use it in emergency situations, uh, like use it as a tourniquet, for example. So like that was like a thing you could have with your uniform. Mm. So I could see like this not standing out too much in it being uh, like, I feel like military, member, military members will definitely um, probably jump on this watch just because it looks more military. I saw a lot of people talking about this. Like, I wonder if Apple's targeting G-Shock because especially with that, oh, yeah. like with this watch and the, the SOS features and um, we'll get to it, but the satellite features with iPhone, like they're doing a lot of stuff that like Garmin and G-Shock do. So kind of a call out to a, a whole different thing Apple would never have addressed before, but now they've just entered that market. So I wonder how that's going to affect that. Yeah, they're definitely going after people like Garmin and G-Shock and all that kind of stuff. So some other details I didn't mention in the recap, the crown is larger. I might mention that, but there's also coarser grooves. Some of the hands-on was saying like the grooves on the crown are coarser. And again, the whole idea is if you're wearing gloves or you're in an environment like in a wetsuit, that you still should be able to interact with the watch. And so that's why those controls are a little larger and coarser or rougher. It does have a depth gauge 
up to 40 meters. And the Apple Watch Ultra has a water temperature sensor as well. So if you do go diving with Apple Watch Ultra, you get that water temperature as well as depth. And Andrew O'Hara at Apple Insider, he actually does diving, like he does some scuba diving. And so he had some thoughts on the HomeKit Insider episode that comes out this Monday, and he's gonna be testing it with diving in the future. But he said, for a diver, this actually gives you a lot of features that you would have gotten with other diving computers on your wrist. The one feature it lacks that many of those others have is a connection to your oxygen tank. Apparently that's an RF connection where you can see your oxygen levels on whatever wrist mounted computer you use while diving. So that is something that the Apple Watch Ultra lacks, but I could totally see that also in the future, some kind of partnership like they had with Oceanic Plus for oxygen sensing and works with certain, you know, oxygen RF monitors. So that's the only thing for divers, but yeah, very curious. If there's any divers out there listening and you plan to get this, I'd be curious your thoughts on it too. Yeah, I thought that was really cool and uh, bringing on that third-party uh, app developer to show off the capabilities like the safety stops and stuff like that. I th- I, that's just really cool and it could save you a bundle, especially since a lot of those diving watches are thousands of dollars in some cases, especially ones as interactive as like an Apple Watch with a bright display. And I would say that like very, very bright, what is it, 2000 nit display would be great in, you know, diving situations too. So it's just, again, a lot of thoughtful hardware here. Would you wear this with a a suit? Are you going to wear this to a wedding? (laughs) I am, up until this point, I have not been a dual Apple Watch guy where like I have an Apple Watch I sleep with or an Apple Watch for this, an Apple Watch for that. But the Apple Watch Ultra might make me hang on to my Series 7 for uh, like certain times and then maybe the Apple Watch Ultra for other times. I'm not sure. I really do just have like having one Apple Watch I just wear all the time, even to sleep with. The faster charging on Series 7 has allowed that to happen. And I mean, the Ultra has even better battery life, so it shouldn't be a problem there either. I'll see how comfortable it is to wear for sleep tracking and then uh, make a decision after that. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. The ad for this watch is so intimidating. It's just showing people <laughs> like climbing Mount Everest and discovering oh, treasures underwater. Like, okay, guys. Yeah, yeah, I know. I am calling it my aspirational Apple Watch. And maybe one day I'll be doing those things. The next Uncharted movie, they're going to be wearing one of these. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So that brightness, the 2000 nits, just so I know, is also twice the brightness of even Series 8. So this is a very bright Apple Watch. Forgot to mention, it also has track detection. I think this is coming to Series 8 as well, but like if you walk up to a running track, it will actually just detect that and you can start a workout for track running automatically. It's actually already in watchOS 9. I was playing with it yesterday. Oh, uh, the Compass okay. app gets all of this. Uh, so if you open the Compass app on, if you're running the beta, um, you can actually see the backtrack feature and waypoint feature where you can add waypoints with custom flags and little buttons, annotations and stuff. Gotcha. It's all locked into the watch app. I'm wondering the iPhone Compass app will get updated to visualize all this data because I can't see how useful this would be um, on si- inside of a tiny little Apple Watch app, especially the waypoints feature. Because once you have five or six of these waypoints added, it's like you're scrolling a list and selecting them. And like, I just, I don't understand why it would be isolated to that. So it'd be interesting to see if the Compass app on the iPhone gets updated with all of this and, you know, shortcut support. So you could, you know, tell Siri a command yes. and automatically add a waypoint thinking of you Merlin man and your bicycle ventures. Oh yeah. You know, this, this would exactly solve his problem. So it's just so funny that they've That's right. invented the Merlin man feature behind his back. So 
Yeah, th those waypoints are super interesting. And with that Compass app, it's become a lot more powerful. You'll actually get elevation, incline, longitude, and latitude in the Compass app on the Apple Watch Ultra, at least, and that newer L5 GPS. And they talked about how typically there's like L1 GPS, but the Ultra has both L1 and L5, which advanced signal processing, reduces errors in location, and consistent signal in environments like dense cities. So if you know marathons and running and stuff. I was thinking about this watch before it came out and when we still thought it was the pro. And I, now I believe it more than ever. When they announced it on stage, they said this was an entirely new product. So it is, and it's named separately from the Series 8. This is going to be a every two years, every three years kind of update cycle for this watch. Maybe, maybe they'll throw a color in. I don't know. Maybe not because they really like that. It's international orange and it, right. it's very specifically designed as this kind of watch. Other than maybe the processor, I don't see them updating this as often, especially at the price range. I could see it taking on the iPad Pro release cycle type thing, maybe. Yeah. Just something to, to think about. Like if you're buying this this year, you know, and the Series 9 comes out next year, will you be upgrading? You know, it, it just kind of a weird middle ground watch kind of thing. I also found on Apple's website the temperature range for Apple Watch Ultra, which is negative 20 to 55 degrees Celsius, which is negative 4 to 131 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's capable of lots of harsh conditions, including Florida, apparently. So I was going to say, you live in Florida. <laughs> Have you encountered any of these temperatures before? Not a, No, no, nowhere that high. I mean, it will get over 100 for sure. But just nice to know that I can sit in the direct sun and it will uh, be fine. It's funny because this isn't even the lowest temperature we get here. Minus four uh, Fahrenheit. I wonder what would, like, I guess I've never wore an Apple Watch in that extreme of a condition. I guess they just kind of di slowly die. <laughs> yeah, um, basically. Like, or just malfunction or the touch, the touch screen probably just wouldn't work. I mean, the, the watch would ultimately right. be fine, but it would probably damage the battery in the long term. Yeah. But yeah, we get down to like minus 20 on some really harsh winter nights. Uh, yeah. Funny to think about anyway. Like I I'm going to go hiking in the Appalachian mountains with my Apple Watch Ultra. There you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, the last thing uh, I'm curious about, Mark Gurman actually tweeted about this, that the MagSafe Duo Charger, which is Apple's iPhone MagSafe and Apple Watch dual charger really meant for travel. I've spoken about it before. It's actually what I take when I travel. I like charging my stuff with it, that it might not be compatible with the MagSafe Duo. It might be because of the larger casing, that action button, that the MagSafe Duo might be too shallow or too short to accommodate the Apple Watch Ultra. So that's one of the first things I'm going to test when I get mine. A lot of third-party watch um, stands have that like shallow field where the watch is supposed to lay in nightstand mode. Right. So I would assume anything that does nightstand mode, unless it's at a 45-degree angle, you might be out of luck. You might have to get a new stand or an adapter. Right, which I have the Belkin 3-in-1, I think a Boost Charge Pro or whatever, but it's like the tree stand where oh, I yeah, can have the fine. AirPods on the base. Yeah, and so that one's fine because the Apple Watch just kind of like dangles. You know, it hangs from the puck. That'll be fine. But the MagSafe Duo, a little concern there, so we'll see. But like I said, I did order an Apple Watch Ultra, and it should be coming on launch day, which you can pre-order all the Apple Watches right now as you listen to this. iPhone pre-orders start this morning if you listen to it on Friday or tomorrow if you're a paid supporter and you get it Thursday afternoon. But the pre-orders start 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific for iPhone 14, 14 Pro, and the AirPods Pro. Apple Watches you could have purchased right after the event. The Series 8 launches on the 16th. So if you order that and you're going to get it on launch day, that's the 16th. Apple Watch Ultra, you have to wait till September 23rd. It comes out a week later. Uh, one quick note before we move on to AirPods Pro 2. Apple Care Plus actually changed to unlimited accidental damage repairs which is up from a maximum of two per year. And this is across 
the devices. So this is iPhone, iPad, Mac, Apple Watch. So if you get Apple Care Plus, there's actually unlimited repairs due to accidental damage. Now I will say I've heard cases in the past where there's a more cosmetic damage to a device and it's not affecting the use of it and it has not like damaged any of the like buttons or functionality that Apple will say they are not going to replace it because it is only a cosmetic repair. It's not like carte blanche. You can get a new device every month if you have Apple Care Plus because you scratched it or whatever. Yeah, there'll be an evaluation made. There is an evaluation. And so it is up to Apple's discretion whether or not they do replace a device, which was the case even before. Even before when it was just two repairs a year for accidental damage, they would still evaluate. And if it was more cosmetic, they would not do a, a replacement or repair. Listeners, that does not mean take your iPhone out and run it over with your car every time you want a new one. <laughs> don't, do, don't do that. That actually gives me more peace of mind. Again, I've only used Apple Care Plus maybe twice. I think once with a watch several years ago. And most recently it was with the iPad mini when I did the whole, what does a pilot think of iPad mini? And it right. dropped from the plane cockpit. <laughs> he <laughs> he just throws it out the window, says, get out, Steven. <laughs> he said, he said, I can't take this anymore. He just throws it. So I I'd get Apple Care Plus with pretty much all of my mobile or portable devices. And it's just nice peace of mind to know there's not a maximum. I never get Apple Care Plus and not to jump the gun, we'll get to it. But uh, I'm thinking about changing how I <laughs> order my iphone so uh, yes. yeah so we'll get to that so, yeah okay all right we'll get to that so quickly airpods pro 2 not huge updates but there is a new h2 chip like i mentioned there was no lossless or any kind of higher audio fidelity quality or anything like that there was an airplay 3 announced so there's not any kind of new function in relation to lossless audio but the h2 chip plus new sound drivers is going to improve the audio the website says there's now an inward facing mic which will help with some of that noise cancellation and there's now adaptive transparency which with the h2 chip it minimizes the intensity of loud noises like sirens or power tools even if you're using transparency mode so if you have transparency mode because you're walking down a city street but there is a loud jackhammer that you're walking by, transparency mode will actually work to decrease the loud noises like those construction noises while still keeping the transparency so you can hear the world around you. And of course, the biggest updates, which I love, is the AirPods Pro 2 case, which has the U1 chip for precision finding and the speaker so you can have it make a sound if you lose it in the couch or somewhere in your house and a little lanyard loop. So great updates to the case. Lanyard loop that Apple doesn't sell. Um, <laughs> no, they don't sell it. You can get lanyards elsewhere. I mean, right, yeah, that's, anywhere, that's okay. anywhere. Yeah, I, I'm waiting for my bespoke Hermes $200 airpods <laughs> lanyard they want you to use the lanyard you got with your ipod what was it shuffle shuffle and a Na nano i believe but and a nano yeah so i did want to bring up the no lossless link there's a lot of confusion around this because apple did say i mean the audio is better these uh drivers there's better bass uh there's some new things going on audio wise but again this is a bluetooth device so lossless even if Apple said that it supported lossless. It doesn't actually support lossless. It's a, it's made up. Um, <laughs> but no, so this actually has Bluetooth 5.3 like the iPhones do. That new codec actually supports a higher fidelity audio um, codec that's mm. it's uh the cd realm of like 144 hertz or whatever playback right so yes, um yes, yes. yeah apparently Soundcore, qualcomm like they've they've gotten cd quality over bluetooth using bluetooth 5.3 so mm. i wouldn't rule it out yet like even though it wasn't announced with these the 
the 5.3 is actually very promising for a future faux lossless kind of lossless experience. It'll be better quality than what we have now. I mean, that's kind of what lo the lossless setting is in Apple Music anyway, because there is lossless and high-res lossless. We'll never get that over the over wireless, just never. But yeah. the standard lossless might or some version of it might fit over the 5.3. So we'll see. That'll be cool to watch in the future. Well, quickly before we get to the iPhones, iOS 16 and watchOS 9, it was announced that it's coming Monday, September 12th. So you can get it on Monday. I forgot to mention that in the recap, didn't see it, but you can upgrade your iPhone and your Apple Watch, get the custom lock screen, undoing edits and iMessages, iCloud shared photo library, and all of that. Unclear, I'm not sure if tvOS 16 is also coming out Monday. I think so, plus HomePods, just to keep everything compatible. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think I think that's it. So anyway, that all comes out Monday. You can download all of that, even if you're not on the betas. And also if you get one of these new iPhones, like 14 and 14 Pro, there are new cases already available. Not sure the compatibility of the iPhone 13 and 13 Pro cases on the 14. So I bought one for the 14 Pro just in case, but I'll be testing that out as well. No, yeah. If you have uh, Pro to Pro, no way. The camera bump is like five times bigger. It, Again? Look at images of the iPhone 14 Pro. Like that camera bump is 80% of the width of the phone. It's huge. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It, like I, like I, it didn't dawn on me till I saw actual photos instead of renders. Yeah. that that camera bump is the entire back of the phone now. And okay. both pro phones, camera bumps are much bigger. So no, your, your pro cases will not translate. Now the iPhone 14 will fit the 13 cases. It's an identical phone. I don't know if the microphones or sensors have moved anywhere and no SIM tray. Like there's some oddities there that people are going to have to test, but fit it'll be fine. Now, will it cover a microphone? Who knows? We'll have to find out. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going to need new cases, though, for those bigger pro phones. Man, you think it's that big? Hold on. I really, now I want to see. Oh, it's huge. <laughs> I want to see. I want to see a picture. I'm trying to look for some of the uh, snapshots. Dynamic Island and Camera Plateau. It's the two iPhone geographical locations. The pro camera bump is gigantic. The diameter of each lens is larger and the bump itself is bigger. It's just huge. It was huge going from the 12 Pro to the 13 Pro. Think about it. Um, I guess we're getting to iPhone. The, yes. But yes. like we'll, we're not even at the pros yet, but we'll get to the pros. But the each camera on the pro has two to three times the light take in capability, which means larger sensors, which means larger lenses. Yeah. So like it's just bigger. <laughs> yeah, it does look like like the iPhone 13 Pro. Just looking at the camera bump, it, it feels like it gets right to the midway point of the phone, like right of the middle of the Apple logo. And the iPhone 14 Pro definitely seems like it's a little past the midline for that camera bump. It does look like a very big camera bump. Yeah, like uh, if you use the Apple logo as your point of reference, yes. it extends yes. all the way to the edge of the Apple logo now, <laughs> instead of uh, previously extended to the center of the Apple logo. Right, wow. Okay, that'll be fascinating to check out. Okay, I also got silver, 512 gigabytes, by the way. Nice. That's the one I pre-ordered, yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I got 512 again. One terabyte, I'm still only filling up about half of a 512 phone, but now I feel like with uh, 48 megapixel photos, that might change. This episode is brought to you by Backbone. 
Listen, there are some incredible games that you can get for your iPhone, but many times it's not great playing on that small touchscreen and covering the screen with your fingers. So here's your solution. Use the Backbone Universal Gaming Controller. Totally enhances your gaming experience on iPhone. And Backbone just released a PlayStation edition of their beloved Backbone 1. The new PlayStation Backbone 1 is inspired by the design of the PS5 DualSense controller all the way down to the transparent face buttons and its visually distinctive floating appearance. You simply plug your iPhone to the backbone and enjoy console quality controls as you play console games or remote play or cloud streaming services. My son actually uses the backbone one to play Fortnite on his iPhone when he's traveling. And he can even do the Xbox remote play right there on his iPhone 13 using the backbone one. So go to playbackbone.com slash Apple Insider now to order your backbone and for a limited time, get free access to over 350 console games and perks. Backbone is now the official partner of Diablo Immortal. Not only is the game specifically optimized for Backbone, but you will also receive $10 of in-game perks. You can find your next adventure at playbackbone.com slash Apple Insider. Our thanks to Play Backbone for sponsoring this episode and our good friends at Collide. If you're considering a third-party audit like SOC2 or ISO 2701, then you should be prepared to answer some tough questions about endpoint security. Auditors want to know that you have a system in place to monitor and maintain compliance across your fleet, which means showing that your employees are using things like disk encryption, screen lock, and password managers. If you're not quite sure how to go about proving all that, then you need Collide. Collide is an endpoint security tool for Mac, Windows, and Linux devices, and it does things that mobile device managers can't, and it gives you the visibility you need to meet your third-party and internal compliance goals. Best of all, Collide doesn't result to surveilling employees or locking down devices. Instead, it works with end users to resolve issues and relies on their cooperation and informed consent. You can meet your security goals and pass your audit without compromising on privacy. Visit collide.com slash appleinsider to find out how. And if you follow that link, they'll hook you up with a goodie bag just for activating a free trial. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash Apple Insider. That link is in the episode description. Our thanks to Collide for sponsoring this episode. All right, well, let's get to it. Before we get to the pros, real quick, the iPhone 14 did get updates, you know, visually very similar to the iPhone 13, but there is no SIM card slot, which we'll talk about in a second. Better battery life. Apple is saying 26 hours of battery on the 14 plus. 20 hours of battery on the regular 14. And the iPhone 14 has the A15 Bionic, which I said during the recap that it was the same chip as last year, but I guess technically the iPhone 13 had an A15 chip Mm -hmm. and the 13 Pro had the A15 Bionic. And so it's the Bionic chip that's now available in the iPhone 14. Five core GPU, that's the difference. Right, so you do get a slightly better chip in the iPhone 14 than the 13. And one of the things it enables, in addition to like the photography updates and better cameras and all that, cinematic mode, you can actually use cinematic mode in 4K, 24 frames per second, both on the iPhone 14 and the iPhone 14 Pro. I thought it would take the A16 to bring cinematic mode to 4K, but you can do it on the regular iPhone 14 as well. We still have a lightning connector, by the way, like during the the heat of the event, like everybody forgets about USB-C, at least I did. But just so everybody knows, it is still a lightning connector on the 14 and the 14 Pro. Yeah, the removal of the SIM tray is interesting. I like that. And I like that carriers are embracing that because Verizon kind of fought me a couple of times on SIM cards. So The, the SIM card is a little divisive because people who travel internationally, it's been a long practice to, once you arrive in a country, 
get a prepaid SIM card yep. upon arrival. I did that. And I worked in the travel. Yeah, I worked in the travel industry for a few years and I did exactly that. Like when I went to the UK, I got a prepaid SIM card for the three carrier. When I went to Germany, I got one from like O2 and popping it in the phone was very easy and it was great. So now with an eSIM on Apple's website, at least Apple is saying, before you go, as in before you travel, activate an eSIM from the country you're visiting. Now, depending on the carrier, I would imagine it should be an option to activate an eSIM in the country. You might have to like get on Wi-Fi in order to do it because you won't have cellular data. But I will also say, at least here in the US, those of you, in, and we have lots of listeners internationally, I would be curious your thoughts on this, but this SIM card tray removal is only for the US phones. So if you get an iPhone in the UK or Europe, yours is still going to have a SIM card tray for the time being. But when it comes to the eSIMs, I will say when traveling internationally with a US carrier, I did it last, this was like 2018. I have AT&T as my carrier. The international plans are much more reasonable now, like $10 a day and you get to use your data plan and call like normal. And it was not expensive to travel internationally. I wish we could do that in the US. I wish we could, I, like I would just not have a cell plan. And then when I left the house, I'd pay for a day. <laughs> it would and be then, good. <laughs> like I just, I don't, you know, these exorbitant, like these crazy fees, like the Verizon, I'm spending 200 plus dollars a month for a phone that I use five times in that month because I don't leave the house. I have Wi-Fi, but if I can't cancel my phone bill, right? So, right. but when I do leave and when I do travel, I want the unlimited, I want the 5G. So you have to pay those $200 fees. It's crazy. I was ranting about this on Twitter yesterday. Like I just, why can't I just be like the app store, go to the cellular section of my iPhone and do an in-app purchase for a cell plan for a week, a month, or whatever, and cancel it like Netflix. It, this is yeah. this this is this feels like 1985. I did want to mention like when you're overseas, I you don't have to have a cellular service to see the SIM card options because your phone is still pinging the towers, and I I believe mm. you're just um you're able to pull down that information. Um, I think even in some places, I may be wrong. You know, someone on the internet correct me, but I believe you're still able to like make like a 911 call even without a cell like an active cell service so like your phone's still pinging those towers you're still getting access to some of these networks you just have to pay to access the actual network and that's where that data comes from i'm assuming so if you walked off of a boat in another country you should be able to open that cellular carrier section and see a couple of options um, if i understand it correctly okay well international li listeners obviously you still get the sim tray but if it is removed in the iPhone 15 for international users, let me know how you would feel about it. I'd be curious. I do want to mention the satellite stuff real quick. This was, again, rumored last year. This was rumored for the iPhone 13. Obviously, it didn't come out then. And the far out with all the space theme, I think this is kind of directly related. You know, we always wonder what in the Apple event invites relate to the actual announcements and launches. I think it was clear, <laughs> the far out and the stars. Yes, photography, but I think the satellite connectivity for sure and even during the intro video for the event. So as the event started, there's this little intro that flew through space into the earth all the way to Apple campus. There was like a tiny satellite floating over the earth for a split second. Obviously a teaser to the satellite emergency SOS connectivity. And so a couple details that I didn't cover in the recap. This is iPhone 14 and 14 Pro only because there are frequencies that 
these iPhones will be able to communicate with the satellites. Plus there's some other software Apple has done in the background, like to compress text messages, decrease the data size so it can send. Uh, once you're connected to a satellite, your iPhone will send the answers to whatever emergency situation you're in. Your iPhone will walk you through asking you questions about what is the emergency, who's injured and all that. It will send your medical ID, which you can set up even in your iPhone right now. And it will also send your battery level to an emergency dispatcher, which I thought was super interesting and a valuable piece of information for someone who might be trying to communicate with you. You do have to be outdoors with a clear view of the sky and your iPhone, like Apple showed in the video, will show you where to point your iPhone to connect to that satellite. They have to avoid obstructions like mountains and heavy foliage as well. And it takes time. Apple says, you know, in ideal conditions, you send a message in less than 15 seconds, which would be pretty quick. Sometimes iMessage, if you don't have good data connection, can take a while too. And with light foliage, if there's light foliage around you, it might take more than a minute to send that message. And you have to be actively standing there holding your phone, pointing at a satellite, because that thing's moving quick. Have you ever looked at the night sky and found a satellite? Sometimes you can see them moving. They move quick, but there, there is a support article, and Apple said you don't have to hold your iPhone like above your head, like right. your, your cell phone antenna. You can hold it at a normal, like as you're just using your iPhone, so normal. Yeah, because those couple of feet ain't going to make a difference. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're communicating with space. A couple of feet above your head is, yeah, you're right. Not going to make a difference. This Yeah, this satellite feature is really cool. I, we could spend a whole podcast probably talking about the satellite connection feature. I did want to bring up, real-time follow-up, I tried to add an eSIM to my iPhone, and it says there's two requirements. You need a QR code or some sort of access point from a cellular carrier and access to Wi-Fi in order to activate an eSIM. So yes, you do need a Wi-Fi network. Okay, there you go. Good follow-up. A couple more points about the satellite. They mentioned this in the event, but if there is an emergency relay center that doesn't do text messaging, I mean, if you're really far out, then they have Apple trained specialists who will actually relay messages for you, which is pretty wild. I mean, to think there are employees of Apple literally just dedicated to <laughs> relaying these emergency messages, pretty wild. And if you do an emergency SOS using the satellite feature, you can also choose to notify your emergency contacts with your location in addition to emergency services. Services, which is really cool. Yeah. Now, a couple last details on it. The update for satellite connectivity is coming in November 2022, so it's not going to be available as soon as the iPhone 14's launch. And this is only available in the US and Canada, which they said during the event. It does include Puerto Rico and the US Virgin Islands. This was interesting too. If you're an international iPhone user with an iPhone 14 and you visit the United States and Canada, you can use the emergency SOS via satellite except if you bought your phone in China mainland, Hong Kong, or Macau. And so if you bought an iPhone in those countries, even if you travel to the US, you can't use SOS satellite. I'm sure there's some agreements there that is causing the issue. But if you're from Europe or the UK, anywhere else besides those countries, and you have an iPhone 14 or 14 Pro, you travel to the US or Canada, you can use the emergency satellite SOS. It is not available in Guam or American Samoa. And finally, last point, I thought this was interesting. The satellite SOS might not work above 62 degrees latitude, such as northern parts of Canada and Alaska. And you know, when you think about some of the clips they showed during the event of like extreme snow conditions and like tundras and all that kind of stuff, I found it interesting. Like it might not work in Alaska if you're above the 62 degree latitude line. Satellites are around our equator mostly and uh, they travel in bands that right. rotate like against our Earth's axis. So they're diagonal, but they still right. don't make it that far north. Like think about it. Like that's like a little halo uh, satellite just rotating around the North Pole. Like it doesn't make sense. Um, right. And, and that's not 
not to like I'm not being negative about the feature yeah. at all. Like it's incredible, but it's an interesting limitation of the technology. Just a fun fact: uh, we don't have satellites up there. I don't know. I just thought that was yeah. like it's just uh, <laughs> yeah, you can't exactly. connect to the satellites that don't exist. Sorry, guys. Yeah, um, but it's an awesome feature. Really cool. And so that feature is also available in the iPhone 14 Pro. My favorite part of this was at the very end. They were like, "Oh, and also you can use this feature in non-emergency situations, like if you want to update uh, people of your location." Yeah, you know, it might take a few minutes, but this is like okay that's cool you know that is cool yeah for fine yeah it works with fine my and just real quick you get it for free for two years which means this is a paid service i'm assuming you're probably right. going to pay like an annual fee of some kind probably inexpensive but one of those you're definitely not going to pay for it unless you know you're going to use it like if you're going on an exposition i would pull out a phone and, and pay for that yeah. real quick kind of thing but if you're sitting at home writing for apple inside you're probably not gonna <laughs> <laughs> yeah I do, I do not i agree i do not need this feature yeah. would be curious if they roll it into like an apple one bundle like if you're on Premiere, you just get that. Apple Apple One Expedition. It's the tier higher. Oh, yeah. a higher <laughs> level. That's right. Expedition. Yeah. All right. So quickly, iPhone 14 Pro. We have the pill shape, which is called the Dynamic Island. Quite a name for the for that shape. But we can get to that in a second. Cinematic mode in 4K HDR, 24 frames per second as well. The always-on display, which is great. A16 Bionic. With the always-on display, one interesting point, if you turn your iPhone face down or you put your iPhone 14 Pro in your pocket, the screen will go dark. And that's the proximity sensor working, which is now under the display for the first time. So it will stay on, always on, when your iPhone is face up, like sitting on your desk or a table, turn it over, put it in your pocket, phone turns off or the screen turns off. Uh, with the camera, again, that 48 megapixel, and this is going to probably like upset some people at first, but Apple is doing what's called pixel binning or grouping pixels together to help with low light or just increasing the amount of light that the camera can capture. And so most of the pictures you're probably going to take, especially indoors, will be 12 megapixels in resolution, but those 48 megapixels are being binned four into one as a quad pixel gathering four times more light. So you're gonna get much better photos. You do not want a 48 megapixel photo every time you take a picture. That's like right. that's like using a jackhammer every time you need to put a nail in the wall. Like you just, it's way too much information. It's a lot of memory. Like every time you take a photo right. like that in Pro Raw, and we'll, we'll, that's gonna be like a hundred megabytes or more for a photo. And yes. it's crazy, yeah. you don't want that. Right, so you can get 48 megapixels or force that size of photo if you shoot in Apple Pro Raw photo format. If you wanna do that a lot, you might wanna consider the one the one terabyte iPhone 14 Pro option, just saying, but nice to see that improvement yeah. in the sensor overall. The uh, camera features here are insane because they, they, they kind of glossed over it, but the selfie camera for Face ID, the ultra wide camera, the what they called the main camera. Right. Uh, if you didn't notice that, they don't refer to it as the wide camera in the in the keynote. Interesting. And yeah. the telephoto camera all have 2x or 3x light gathering ca capabilities, which means every sensor was updated. Mm. Um, so your selfies will no longer look murky and, and that long exposure will stop turning on as often because of this update. Your telephoto will be much more useful at night. Everything's gonna be crisper. Uh, your portrait modes are going to be much more managed. Like I, I feel like this is the biggest camera update we've ever had in an iPhone. Like it's this is huge. 
every single sensor updated and that 48 megapixel camera is wild. And the 2X zoom is brilliantly done because they're just cropping out the 48 megapixel sensor to be a 12 megapixel image. Yeah. And like they pointed out, it is at a good focal length and at a better aperture than the previous 2X telephoto lens anyway. So you're not sacrificing anything using that feature. Just right. a, a plus all the way around. For sure. And the last thing I just want to spend a little time on is that dynamic island. This is 14 Pro, 14 Pro Max. It was, you know, originally thought it would be a pill and hole punch in that area. And then last minute leaks and rumors was that it would just be that elongated pill shape. And that is what it is. The the front facing camera and the face ID sensors are all in this pill shape. But Apple's really leaning into it. And I think this is an interesting change from iPhone 10 until 13. The notch was there, but it was always trying to be hidden. You know, if you played a video on your iPhone 13 Pro, it would crop it in or it would at least shrink it down so you don't see the notch. You would have black bars on the left and right of the video. And there were other things that were done to kind of make the notch try to disappear. Even the wallpapers that were released with some recent iPhone models kind of hid the notch. I remember the 10s had that bubble wallpaper and you kind of couldn't see the notch. And now it's like totally different direction where Apple is literally naming it a thing, Dynamic Island, and literally putting a lot of notifications, live activities, like sports scores, timers, all of that literally going into that area, even like music and podcasts now playing stuff. And so honestly, I think it is actually a positive move. Like it's there. Like you can't deny that it's there. Leaning into it, actually making it somewhat of a feature as much as you can. I'm for it. Yeah. Apple has a 50 second video on YouTube showcasing this. It is just so much fun. Like this is the most whimsical thing I've, I think they've done in years. Just everything about it is so fluid. It's fun. It's interactive. It's just so cleanly executed that like, I just, I can't imagine like what they would have done otherwise. And people have pointed out, like if you take a flashlight to the blacked out screen, you'll see the pill and hole punch. Like it's there. They're just using black pixels to make it into that bar. So both rumors were true, which is really funny. But yeah, no, I really like that uh, third parties can really lean into this. And I can't wait to see um, a bunch of apps update for this dynamic thing. And again, like the animations and stuff Apple showed, showed off during the keynote, I wonder how much of that is the background UI or are developers going to have to come up with anything? I think they're going to just provide images and maybe frameworks for waveforms, like for audio or for like images of weather or something like that. But like, it's just a really cool idea and I'm glad Apple just went all in on it. Yeah. So very excited to try it out. I'm sure Wes and I will be tweeting our pre-orders as we get them in Friday morning. So again, pre-orders for the iPhone 14, 14 Pro, and AirPods Pro 2 all open up at 8 a.m. Eastern, 5 a.m. Pacific on Friday, September 9th. So as you hear this, go pre-order if you'd like. I haven't heard the podcast yet, but Jason Snell refers to the notch as the... Uh, let me see. As the static peninsula, we have dynamic island, and then the notch <laughs> is the static peninsula. That's static peninsula. these images are that so is great. awesome. I love this. That's wonderful. Yeah, we'll we'll include the link to that tweet in the show notes. That's pretty hilarious. Static peninsula. Real quick before we go, yesterday was also Tim Cook at Code Conference run by The Verge and Vox Media. And there was just one interaction that I want to highlight. I guess there were questions at one point and someone was asking Tim Cook about RCS, the rich communication services and iMessage and all that. So I would just like to dramatically read uh, this. And Tim Cook, in response to the question about RCS, says, I don't hear our users asking that we put a lot of energy into RCS. I would love to convert you to an iPhone. 
The questioner responds, I can't send my mom certain videos, says the questioner. And Tim Cook says, buy your mom an iPhone. <laughs> Honestly, though, I know there's a lot of people mad at that and I've yeah. seen the reactions. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Like, <laughs> sadly, I agree because RCS is just so broken. We've gone into this. And yeah, we've gone. I, and, I, and I wanted to just just point out, though, like, I, I also think that Tim Cook is not exaggerating or or whatever uh dodging the question no no one cares get out of your tech bubble and look nobody cares no one's talking about this 99.9 percent .9 of the iphone user base doesn't even know what rcs is or want it it's a technology that should be implemented or improved i get it i'm a nerd i know what all of it means i'm just saying tim cook isn't wrong in saying this nobody's nobody's asking for this I, I will play devil's advocate just slightly because when you look at teenagers youth school like right, there right. is the stigma of the green bubbles and group chats and all that and i think that is seen as who is asking for it although i don't know if rcs would solve that specifically no <laughs> obviously it could not it could not be the same blue as iMessage apple would distinguish it somehow which it's interesting in the satellite features in iphone 14 satellite messages will apparently appear in like gray bubbles as you're sending that or something yeah so you know there's already color distinguishing mark the business communication feature also uses gray bubbles um right that's right that's right so i think it, let's even if apple adopted rcs or whatever in the messages app i don't think it would solve let's that like teenager group chat thing let's put it this way rcs solves google's problem with their messaging services sucking it doesn't solve anything that iphone has a problem with other than iphone's messaging android so again this the motivation isn't there I can see what you're saying where there's probably groups of teenagers who are aware uh, that there could be a better implementation or technology. But again, I, I would say most people aren't talking about it. And I want to see an Apple ad campaign that just says, you know, buy your mom an iPhone, you monster. <laughs> well, and I think just overall, this interaction shows that RCS is not coming in the near future no yeah. to iOS. Like this, I think this just solidifies the deal. Not going to be a thing for a long time. Maybe iOS 17, we might hear a hint of improvement approved android messaging services but not this year yeah definitely not this year yeah and i i mean he, he even says we're like we're not putting a lot of energy into it which doesn't mean zero energy i mean they're not putting a lot of energy into a lot of apple things like contacts or <laughs> well, but yeah obviously the uh the rcs team i don't think there is a team I don't think there is anything when it comes to RCS. The R RCS evangelist is just a guy at the coffee maker. And yeah. Well, nobody yeah. knows how he got into the building. He's holding a cardboard sign. RCS. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, it was a huge event. Excited to get these devices in our hands. Again, pre-orders for a lot of it is open this Friday. And yeah, we'll be getting a lot of them on Spend launch day. a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of money. Money flying out of the wallet. But excited to try it out. Apple Watch Ultra 14 Pro and all of that. Let us know what you got. Tweet at Wes and myself. Our Twitter handles are in the show notes. You can leave us a five-star review. And if you support the show, either directly in Apple Podcasts or patreon.com slash Apple Insider, get an ad-free version and early access on both of those platforms. Finally figured that out. Donate to St. Jude's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also Relay.fm, they do an annual donation to St. Jude's for cancer research. It's an incredible campaign they run every year. It's for an incredible cause. I'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. If you can, donate to St. Jude. So thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time.